hear the word of God. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swapped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word and the privilege to worship your holy name. And this moment, Lord, you know our trials, you know the storms of life of every single person who is in this sanctuary. But we ask you, Lord, speak to us through your word. And also bless our church who are in different places in this holiday. May you visit your people around May you visit our pastor and his family. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Leisure time or pleasant moments are not suitable to us to draw conclusions about who people really are inside. People generally try to show their best qualities and hide their bad traits. This is normal in life. However, it is the turbulent moments, what Christians call trails, that actually reveals our core values. Who is valuable to us, who we really are, and then, most important, the quality of our relationship with God. Life's storms reveal various idols of the heart that were well hidden in secret places until the trial come and just display those idols. With this initial reflection, let's go back to the text and reflect this morning on who is the God of our storms. Who is the God who we worship when turbulence come to our lives? And when we look to the gospel of Matthew, we remember this evangelist has one main priority. He wants to show that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Anointed One. And he starts in chapter 1 through his genealogy. And moving forward, every single moment, the speech, the teaching, the miracles are just proof that Jesus is God. He is the Messiah that God promised to send to save people, to save the Israelites from their sins. And not just them, but anyone who trusts in his name. And when we notice in chapter 8... The Lord just performed three great miracles. There was a man with leper that he purified. And after 
He healed a servant from a centurion and also Peter's mother-in-law. As he was fulfilling his ministry and healing people, many, many new followers came to him. But they were not true disciples. Some of them were just curious. Some of them were just willing to receive a blessing from the Lord. And then in verse 18 of chapter 8, the Lord says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave others to go over to the other side. He spent enough time in Galilee, nearby the Sea of uh, Galilee, and now he was about to cross the lake. It was a lake indeed. And then he called the people to follow him. In that moment, many of them said, well, I was willing to stay here around and just uh, watching miracles and maybe receiving a blessing from these men, but I don't have any intention to cross the lake. I don't want to pay this price. Other, others were. And then Jesus shares about the cost of discipleship, the cost of following him. And many decided not move forward. But his 12 disciples, and not just them, others, decided to join small boats, fishing boats, to cross the Sea of Galilee, following the Lord's direction, following his word. And with this reflection, I'd like to share that there are inevitable events in the journey of a disciple of Christ. There are inevitable events in the life of a disciple of Christ. If you are a real disciple of Christ this morning, there are some things that will happen in your life, regardless we are willing or not. And the first one is unexpected storms sometimes present themselves. Unexpected storms sometimes present themselves. Take a look in verse 24 with me. When Matthew shares, And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swapped by the waves, but he was asleep. Suddenly, a violent storm came up at the sea. And as we saw, the, the waves were just swapping. The, it was a small fishing boat. And when we read in Mark, Mark shares that the water was just getting the boat. It was a time of despair. The word in the Greek is the word seismos. The same words where we get seismography. The instrument capable to, to identify earthquakes. So some scholars believe it was not just a common storm. And storms like that were normal in the Sea of Galilee, as I said. I said this lake was at the Jordan Valley. It was about 40 miles long and 8 miles wide. And this lake was under the sea level, kind of 300 meters. So the, war, the water 
on this lake was always warm. But this lake was surrounded by hills and also the Mount Hermon, 3,000 meters. So it was common the cold wind come from the hills and hit the water, the warm water, and storms were formed and nobody could predict. Even experienced fishermen like some of the disciples were. So this storm was common in that sea. But the word in the original shows that it was not just a regular storm, but probably an earthquake that made the, the waters come crazy. When we noticed that the disciples had just seen several supernatural manifestations of Christ's power, a leper was healed, uh, the servant of the centurion was healed. They had no doubt about Christ's power over disease, Christ's power over the spiritual world, like he was just casting out demons. But now it was a natural event. It was the power of nature. They were in despair. They could not expect, even as experienced fishermen, but the storm came, showed up. Even though they were obeying the Lord's command, even though Jesus was in the boat, Jesus made it clear, church, that as a result of living in a broken world, all kinds of storms would manifest in our journey on this earth. The arrival of a disease that drastically can change the dynamic of our lives, the death of somebody that we love. When we lose a precious job, there are different kinds of storms in different seasons of life. But they come. The Lord said that in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Some churches who preach a false gospel say that if you have enough faith and if you serve the Lord with faithfulness, you will never face storms. Your life will just prosper. You'll be uh, health all your life. But that's not true. Our own Lord was a man of sorrows who knew what it was to suffer. Maybe you are in such a storm now. If not, praise the Lord for the good season of life. But we all know some moment one storm will show up. And we need to trust that the Lord is in control. He's sovereign. Always remember that God loves us and does all things for our good. God knows of your storms. In the storm, pray for wisdom. Storms of life are not necessarily synonymous with the absence of Christ or lack of faith. 
you can be in the center of the will of God and face a huge storm. But God is with you. God is with us. And he allowed this happen. But also we need to discern the nature of such a storm. Sometimes storms in life are consequence of bad choices and disobedience. If we do not disciple our children while they are little, when they grow up, probably they will step out of the church. Even though every Sunday uh, they would be here. But if we didn't spend time sharing the love of Christ, they won't follow until the Lord save him or save them through his supernatural power. But... If we are obeying Lord's command and storms regarding our family, our health, our profession show up, trust he continues controlling your life, your story. Secondly, we notice in this Bible passage that at times it seems that Christ is indifferent to our despair. As we come back to verse 24 and 25, the last sentence of the verse 24 says, But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And it is important, notice, this passage shows that Jesus was 100% man. He had an extremely busy day, serving people all the day long, sharing, teaching, healing, praying. And the text shows that probably it was late in the night. So when he went to the boat, he was extremely tired. That even a strong storm with an earthquake could not wake him up. I believe nobody sleep here as deep as Jesus did. And I was sharing with the kids this week that when we get older, our sleep gets not that good. Anything can wake up us. Is that true? But the Lord was extremely tired. The boat was shaking, the water was just getting the boat, and he was on a pillow sleeping. But also some scholars make a point. He was a hundred percent God. And Hendrickens, Hendrickson says, furthermore, it was not difficult for him to fall into a deep sleep. For his confidence in the Heavenly Father, his own Father was unshakable. Neither the roar of the wind, nor the rumbling of the waves, nor even the sudden jolts of the boat could wake him up. He trusted the Heavenly Father. He trusted his sovereign plan. It is amazing, beloved, when we, as we love to celebrate the Lord's deeds and we keep sharing how great is our God, how faithful He is, until a huge storm shows up in our lives. 
And then we start to doubt. Then we start to fear. And then we start to cry in despair. It is easy exercise faith when we watch somebody just struggling. But the challenge is when the storm shows up in our lives, in our home, in our family. Even though we know all the biblical theological truths, the challenge is applying those truths to our circumstances. The Lord was sleeping. And we had in the boat, as I said, most of them seasoned sailors. They knew storms. They knew how to manage. They knew very well the Sea of Galilee. But guess what? That storm was different of anyone they faced. In life, this is true also. All of us had experience with the Lord in our past. We saw his great hand. We saw his goodness. But sometimes a new storm with a new circumstance we never faced before shows up. And we don't know how to handle. We don't know how to deal. It is something new and the despair just knocks our door. So what should we do? Facing the despair, those disciples went to the Lord. They went to the Lord. And with different claims. When we look here, verse 20, 25. Matthew shares that they said, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. But Mark's comment something different. Master, do you not care that we perish? And Luke shares, Master, Master, we are perishing. If they had 12 disciples in the boat, anybody or everyone claimed in a different way. One said, Lord, we are perishing. You don't mind. The other, Master, Master, do something. The other one, wake up, Lord. Doesn't matter. The important thing is everyone went to the right person, to the Lord Jesus, the one who controls everything. Some scholars share that what they storm and the earthquake was, we're not able to do. Wake him from a deep sleep. The claim of his servants did. When we pray with faith, the Lord hears. When we go to his presence, just opening our hearts and putting, putting before him all our fears, he hears. He's merciful. He knows everything in our hearts. But he loves when his people just go to him. I remember in 1995, when my mother was facing her second divorce, she was in despair. And she used it to go to every prayer service 
in several different churches she knew. She was willing to hear something from the Lord, able or capable, capable to comfort her heart. Sometimes uh, she was not willing to listen what the Lord had to say, but just good promises. And I remember that she got disappointed several times. He speaks. The Lord always speaks to his children. He speaks a lot and sometimes he cries out truths that we are reluctant to hear. Because we do not want to hear the truth. But what should we do? Keep praying. Even when he's silent, the Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle, the man who wrote half of the New Testament, he faced also a time of despair. In 2 Corinthians, he shared that the Lord put in his flesh a thorn. We don't know what it was exactly, if it was a disease or a bad circumstance. But... He shares that he prayed to the Lord twice, and the Lord didn't say a word. What did Paul do? He kept praying. And the third time, the Lord answered and said, I won't heal you, but I will give to you my grace, and my grace is enough. Keep praying until the Lord answered. John Wesley the father of Methodists. He shares that in his first missionary journey to the USA, he came to Virginia trying to evangelize the Indians, and this trip was a disaster. He was returning to England disappointed when a strong storm hit the, the, the sea, and he was in deep despair. But something called his attention. There was a group of Moravians in that boat. And they were not in despair. They were praying quietly and singing hymns. Even the little ones. And he was mesmerizing, mesmerized, asking, what kind of faith is this? What kind of confidence is this? Is the confidence of those who knows that he is still in our boat when he doesn't say a word. But lastly, in the storms of life, Christ's sovereignty demonstrates his power in learning and provision. When we go to verse 26. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, all you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. I believe the disciples could not understand, imagine, the little boat was shaking, the water just getting, and then the Lord rise and ask, why are you afraid? 
Maybe some of them thought, what kind of question is this? We are about to die. We are perishing. How? You can ask, why are we afraid? This should be a normal behavior, but not for those disciples. They were with Jesus for one year, learning every single day, 24-7, listening His truth, watching His power, His power over disease, His power over demons, His power over everything. They were chosen, and the Lord said that He would use them to spread His kingdom. They knew that, but in the moment of turbulence, probably they could not remember. They should remember as us in the storms of life. We need to remember every single promise the Lord has made for us in his word. So he just asked to them, why are you afraid? The other translations say, why are you fearful? Fearful, in the original, is the word cowardly. Why? You should not be like that. Jesus reminds them that they, they should keep in their minds the promise. Would he who chose them allow them to perish in that sea? Wasn't his mere presence reassuring? So Matthew's account is the most dramatic of the three Gospels. In this description, Jesus did not immediately calm the storm. Before calm the storm, he had a lesson. Why are you, why are you afraid, you of little faith? I believe they thought, Lord, you can teach us after. Please, first, calm the storm. After we will spend all the time you want. But please now, calm the storm. We behave like that. When we are in a storm, the only thing we want, Lord, please stop this. I'm about to die. I cannot bear this anymore, Lord, please. But... Several times, he is willing to teach us the lessons before coming the storm. Why are you afraid, you of little faith? The storm is his instrument for strengthening the faith of the real disciples. Even though the faith we have is a gift from him, he is just giving us the opportunity to grow in faith. Every single day. And doesn't matter if you are a member of this church for 5 years, 10, 30, 50 years, 60. It was great in our leadership uh, meeting. Listening, Jay, who is one of the, the oldest, not in age, Jay, but in time, oldest members of this church. Sharing how the Lord strengthened his faith during the troubled time his family faced, while the church was praying for the healing of Miss Sorasian. 
It is amazing. Doesn't matter how long you lived here. Doesn't matter how many experiences you had. He's always teaching us and giving us the opportunity of growth. But after to teach the lesson, then he just manifested his power. Then rising up, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a deep calm. The word rebuked in the original is the same word used to describe the way he rebuked the fever that afflicted Peter's mother-in-law. Now he's showing to those men that he had control not just over disease, not just over demons. He had control of everything in this creation, even over the nature, even over the natural elements, even over the politicians and the crazy things is happening in this world regarding war or anything else. He holds the world on his hands. This is great, church. This is amazing. And he rebuked the winds and the water. And there was a great calm, a deep calm. And the original shows that the water and the wind stopped, synchronized. Generally, when the wind stops, it takes some time so the water stops. The water keep, keeps moving, but it was not the case. Immediately synchronized. Wind and waters stopped. Why? Because he has control over nature. Those men were mesmerized. Mark shares that they were exceedingly afraid. During the, the storm, they were afraid. But after Jesus calmed the storm, they were extremely, exceedingly afraid. And they asked this question, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. It is the Savior, Jesus. It is the one who came to break the curse of sin. It is the one who came to save us from eternal condemnation. It is the one who is sanctifying his church through trial, storms, and tribulation. We need to remember, beloved ones, the most important thing God is doing in our lives now is Building Christ's image in ourselves. He will give us great times in life. He will give us moments of celebration. He will give us victories. He will give us, to some of us, the opportunity to raise our kids and others' grandkids. But while we are living here, He will allow storms coming to keep building his image in our lives, sanctifying his church. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He started a great work in our lives, 
and he is faithful to finish his work. He will take care of his people. A few months ago, I received in my house here, Abington, Elkins Park, a family from my former church in Brazil. Um, the household, his name is Eduardo Camacho. He's 42, the same age I am. Uh, he has a wonderful life, a Christian family, a faithful wife, three children. He has a great financial life, but during the pandemic, when he took the, the first shot of AstraZeneca, he just uh, was paralyzed. He had a reaction that we, we call the Guillain-Barré syndrome, where your muscles are paralyzed. He went to the hospital. He was not able even to close his eyes. The doctors used uh, special glue, helping him to sleep. The family was in despair. Our church back in Brazil kept praying for him because the treatment was expensive. He needs to take shots monthly, and every shot was $50,000. And guess what? Due the pandemic, they didn't have the medicine available. So they kept praying, praying. And the Lord showed his control over the disease, over the pandemic, over the circumstance. He kept providing and teaching them lessons during the long 18 months of recovery. In a wheelchair, many times unable to eat his own food. But by God's grace... He was at my dinner table, my dinner table, sharing a meal, completely recovered. And while he was sharing, he turned to my children and said, if I could go back in time and choose not to get the vaccine or get, I would choose to get it. Because of the knowledge I have of God today, Nothing this world can buy. The storms of life are one of the most glorious ways of letting, letting go of abstract knowledge about God and having a personal encounter with Him. As well as stated by C.S. Lewis, God whispers in our joys, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our grief. Who is the God of our storms? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you because you are merciful. You know, several times we are not consistent. You know, Lord, even though we already saw your faithfulness in a bunch of moments, when a new storm comes, we doubt and we grieve. So, Lord, have mercy on us. Help your disciples. 
Help your little ones. Help us to move forward and understand you are building your son's image in our lives. So renew every single heart here. Renew the hope, the trust in you, in your words, and help us to worship you in every single moment, in the good weather, but also in the storms. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.